Hello. Hi. Hi. <laughs> you're not Sunny. <laughs> I am not Sunny. No, but you're still Andre. I am still Andre. Yes. Um, uh, hi. Who are you and what are you doing here? Well, my name is Annalise, and I happen to be one of your best friends. Um, so uh -huh. that's what I'm doing here. I, uh, we met in high school, and I always knew that you were just destined to be a podcast host. So I'm just really happy to see your dream come true. That is right, Scary Talk audience. My friend right here is a psychic, and she can tell the future. She has a crystal ball and everything. She's amazing. Her name is Annalise, and we love her. Um, Sunny died. No, just kidding. Um, <laughs> Uh, we're just doing an episode this week uh, with Annalise because we felt like it. And she's very excited to join the podcast um, today. So we are doing it. And I'm just as excited. So we are doing it. Yes. Hi. Welcome to Scary Talk, everyone. This is episode 63. Wow. Um, uh, yeah, exciting. I know. Um, I got to do something big for episode like, what's a cool number? 70? 75? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm just gotta brainstorm about that but anyway hi everyone welcome to episode 63 specifically um, uh, hello to my college roommates that are very excited about this and also subscribe <laughs> to scary talk yeah please yeah, shout like them out. and <laughs> like like and subscribe i don't know how podcasts work but i'm assuming that you do those things <laughs> follow do you follow a podcast <laughs> you you follow a podcast depending on the platform it's really funny that i actually cannot say like like and subscribe because i don't know that you can actually do that everywhere like you can definitely do that on spotify like you can subscribe you can do that on apple Podcasts. but like does stitcher have that feature like who the fuck knows so well if you like it hit up the dms on yeah hit up the dms that's right at talk that scary is on instagram she knows because she's a fan. She yes. has listened before. Yeah, Such so DM us at Talk Scary. And as Sunny mentioned last week, but I think if anything, I'm even more unqualified than Sunny was. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Believe me, Sunny was shaking her little booties. Oh, okay. So, well, yeah, you you're know just what? as I'm, don't worry. I'm rolling through with fake confidence. So, <laughs> a different, slightly let different fuel approach. You for the next fifty minutes. Slightly different approach, and um, pouring myself a little glass of wine to hear some spooks. Ooh, Ooh, all right. <laughs> uh, well, uh, everyone, surprise, surprise. Uh, we are, Scary Talk is officially doing a true crime episode for the first time. Uh, as you all know, we have not done this before. We, I think, for the most part, really shied away from it uh, because Shannon did not like true crime. No shade. Or she just didn't love the kind of, uh, kind of, it's too real. And I, that is fine <laughs> but i guess i just didn't like spook me as much so i was always like oh it's a true crime and now that shannon has unfortunately passed away rest in peace we can do that so <laughs> shannon if you listen to this which you are i love you don't kill me um today we're doing true murder so uh mm. yeah <laughs> annalise are you ready to actually no first before we get into this yes. um how are you doing um coronavirus wise and also just in general Thanks for asking, bud. Um, I'm doing just fine working from home, trying to avoid that whole pandemic. But at the same time, I'm trying to participate as much as I can in the Black Lives Matter movement. And so I went to a number of protests last weekend. And so there were a lot of people there. I had my mask on, but I'm being extra, extra safe. And I'm getting a free test on Monday since I was around a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I don't feel sick, but you never know. What if I'm like asymptomatic? 
So we're gonna find out. I'm feeling good, but yeah, how are you doing? Yeah. Wow. Well, if you are, it's a good thing that you are 500 miles away. So um. <laughs> yeah, it's a good time to have a podcast. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. It is also like fun fact for even without COVID-19, like if y'all don't know, I've never had, I guess for guest episodes, I have my boyfriend and then another one of my friends, Ashley. Uh, I, but I've never had a co-host in like in, in the same room as me, <laughs> like <laughs> not for an official episode ever. Well, that's just because you don't so, like looking at people, especially in the eyes. Yes, you don't yeah. like having exactly. conversations. When I get into the nitty gritty of a case and I get serious, I just can't look into someone's eyes. They freak me out. You so, just stare into a mirror instead. That really gets you. In the it, precisely. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm doing right now. You just uh, thank you for pointing that out. Yep. The audience didn't I just know that. You so Neither well. Did. You know, like. <laughs> um. Yeah, I think I think I can um, look into someone else's eyes when I am just doing banter, the kind of banter that I have had with the guest episodes for those two people. But when I'm getting into really, really serious topics like, you know, murder or aliens built the pyramids, um, I can't do it. So, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, um, uh, how am I? I'm fine. <laughs> Sorry. I'm like my brain is just like a lagging. <laughs> um I'm just like reading from the joke catalog. Gotta make sure I deliver it right and then answer your question. How am I doing? I'm doing fine. Um, I am not sick. I do, however, personally know someone who did get COVID-19 recently. It's a friend I have in Finland. Um, It reached Finland. Oh, no. (laughs) We have reached Finland officially. Yeah, I'm not going to disclose his name for privacy reasons and because his name is Henry, but he was sick and um, he said that he was like coughing up blood at one point. So, you know, poor dude. Um, but he's fine now. But apparently like 12 of his coworkers are sick. So <laughs> I don't know if he did that or if that just happened before. I, I, who knows? Okay, but yeah. That's, that's one of my biggest fears about this is like, I hope that I'll make it through physically, but I don't know if I can deal with the self-inflicted psychological damage if, if I spread it to people that I care about. <laughs> like, yep, yep, yep. Be like, no, it's I understand. all my fault. Like, and that's just why you gotta be careful. Yeah, but um, yeah. anyway, enough of COVID stop talk. Stop making out with um, a bunch of strangers, Andre. Okay, like I know I I'm gonna try to single-handedly stop, but... spreading it in Southern California. Oh, I make that no too promises. Specific? Did they? <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're gonna find me now. Oh no! <laughs> oh my god! I just got I just got a text from the FBI oh, saying no. delete it, fat. We found um, you. <laughs> the source of all the creepy pasta. <laughs> um anyway enough of that um yeah other than that i'm good you know the world is what it is i'm excited for movie theaters to open because i am dying to go to the movie theater even if i have to like wear a fucking face shield and like a hazmat suit i want to go see honestly whatever is playing what tenet mulan who knows um also gyms my gym officially reopened this morning at 6 a.m and they told me this afternoon at 3 p.m so thank you for notifying me ahead of time are you going do you feel safe to go in a gym right now I don't know that I do, but I was bringing it up more for the fact that, like, well, now I'm definitely getting charged again. Whereas I wasn't for the time that they were closed. Oh. Now I'm going to get started getting charged again. And I don't know what to do because it's like, I don't know that I want to go right now. Dude, it feels no, you know what? A bunch of people, like, roll through. They're having the same issue and they respond to the email and they're like, F you. It's too early for me. Don't charge me. And then the gyms are like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> that was really assertive. Uh, maybe, yeah, I, guess I'll, but... I guess I'll not charge you. So... Yeah, maybe I'll just try to scare him. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just get a like yeah. really deep voice and seem like you know what you're talking about. 
You think I should send him an audio message instead of a email? <laughs> yeah, leave a voice. <laughs> you think I'm gonna at do the that? gym that they're supposedly at? Yeah. Um. Yeah, so that's what's happening. I mean, the oil is reopening little by little, so that's exciting. But um, I don't know that. I don't know that I'm fully ready to go to all the places that are reopening. Um, oh my gosh! So. Have you ever thought about how, like, you know, there's all those jokes about how like the chapter in history books for 2020 is going to be like a mile long or something. I just yeah, realized but the aliens haven't come yet, so we're not done. Oh well, girl, it's only June, okay? That's not due till <laughs> September. Um, but I just realized with all of this new media and the like proliferation of podcasts, homies like 50 years from now are going to have a week by week play by play. (laughs) Like all of the podcast people are going to comment on it and it'll be like, so here's exactly all of the tomfoolery that went down in 2020. And we have a lot of digital documentation of it. As I was researching for this, I, to like think of some spooky true crime stories, I was like, I can't like find the exact newspaper article from the 1800s that cited this but maybe in 2100s they're going to be able to be like this is the exact article because you can't erase anything permanently from the internet (laughs) (laughs) once disney becomes a country and like buys the u.s yeah um yeah Uh, interesting um i like that thought um so yeah, that, that's the world right now. This is very strange. I think this is going to be very strange to listen to um, like in the future when I have kids, you know, in like two years. And <laughs> it's just going to be kind of wild to to listen to 2020 kind of go down like this. But, you know, it is what it is. Like I said, the aliens haven't come yet. And it is only June. So, you know, fingers crossed. Um, that would be the spookiest of spooky. My high school best friend having kids in two years. <laughs> <laughs> But like, like, no, but like, we're, okay. too, we're too young. We can't do it, right? <laughs> we're still 18, right? <laughs> I know that's a true horror story. Oh, but you know, like, the thing is, what happened earlier this year with the Pentagon, like that is kind of confirmation that aliens are out there anyway, and they have visited. So, like, at this point, honestly, if you're still saying, like, if you're someone who's still like, ah, aliens, like, get over a yourself. scam. <laughs> it is. It's, dude. Just, <laughs> just like sit outside like in your backyard one night and just look up at the stars like a 60% chance something's gonna happen because these fuckers are everywhere all the time like it's just a matter of looking up more you don't so, even have to be like a critical thinker you just have to lay out under the I know stars. or like an interesting person worthy of being abducted you don't even have to be that they're just they're, they'll show you'll see something spooky fly in the sky like move erratically you'll see it just look up um anyway murder so yes, please tell me <laughs> Um, uh, okay. I don't know exactly how I'm going to approach this because this is not a creepypasta and it is not, like I said, the aliens building the pyramids, which is very serious, but it's still not true crime. So I, don't, I think I'm going to just, you know, mix the, the, the comedy and the serious as best I can. If something comes off color, I don't mean for it to be y'all just going to have to deal because this is our first entry into true crime. Uh, so here but we go. Today feedback. I'm talking... But open a feedback. Always DM us at Talk Scary. Okay. <laughs> yeah, Twitter and Instagram. Yep. I'm talking about um, uh, I'm talking about the crimes of ten-year-old murderer Mary Bell. Oh. Have you ever heard of Mary Bell? Absolutely not. She's ten. She was ten. She yeah, she was ten when she committed her murders. Ooh, um, that sounds like some deep psychological trauma prior to the murders. But okay, yeah. continue. Yes, uh, this, is, <laughs> this is also something I'm going to touch on later. All but right. anyway. Um, <laughs> Mary Bell. Don't just murder. Um, 
Um, now, can you imagine? Like, the thing is that, like, what something that I'm gonna read to you later kind of kind of hints at at the mentality that people had back when this happened. This happened in the '60s, and um, okay. so people were just like, "No, she's just pure evil," and that's that. Like, there's no deep dive into anything. She's just evil, and that's it. And that's super like shallow. So hmm. anyway. Mary Bell was 10 years old when she committed her first murder, and it wasn't her last. Um, so this girl killed two young boys in 1968, um, and now I'm going to get into how that happened. Um, so uh, Mary Bell was born to uh, Betty uh, Bell, a 16-year-old prostitute who reportedly told doctors to, quote-unquote, take that thing away from me when she saw her daughter. Um, this, I'm getting, yeah, this I'm getting from an article uh, on allthatsinteresting.com and also the Wikipedia article on Mary Bell. So those are my sources. Um, so that's a quote from the mom. Apparently, things went downhill from there, um, <laughs> unsurprisingly. Uh, the mom was often away from home on, quote-unquote, business trips to Glasgow, as Wait, she would so, describe like, them. They still had this girl, like this teenager, be in charge of this baby, even though she was like clearly not ready to be a mom. I mean, like, Wait, where, I'm sure child services this? existed. Did you cover this where is this in, is? Yeah, this is in Scotland. Okay. Wait, is Glasgow in Scotland or in Ireland? It's in Ireland. <laughs> right? I just like, when I research, I research the city, but like, bro, I never actually. Bro, right? Glasgow's in Scotland. <laughs> okay, never mind, never mind. Oh, man. Sorry to all my Scottish fans. <laughs> love you, loves. Anyway, um, so Scotland, that's where this happened in the 60s. Uh, yes, they let her keep. The baby, because I guess child services either did not exist at that time or they just didn't think it was. I mean, like, teen pregnancies happen all the time and people keep their babies. So, yeah, you know, but wasn't this a 16 year old prostitute? You said, yeah, maybe she didn't but, have, like, you, know. you know, I'm just thinking like, OK, what resources could we have provided? Like, <laughs> But OK, I, I guess I think, yeah, um, uh, this was a very rural town. Um, Mary Bell and her mom lived in a town called Newcastle, which apparently was like um, 30 miles north of Glasgow. Am I getting this right? I think so. North of Glasgow. So she didn't. So she didn't live in the city. Um, this must have been like a very, you know, rural conservative community. And so they probably didn't even think to. I don't know. So she keeps the baby, and um, and anyway, she went on business trips a lot, quote unquote business trips, as she would describe them. Um, but her absences were actually like periods of like relaxation for the poor Mary because she was subject to abuse uh, mental and physical when her mother was present so she liked her going on these business trips mm -hmm. this is like just sad shit yeah um uh Betty's own sister so Mary's aunt uh, apparently once witnessed uh, Betty trying to give Mary away to a woman who had been unsuccessfully trying to adopt um, at the time. And then the aunt, like, she saw that, and so she, like, quickly recovered Mary. But that's pretty fucking wild. Um, Mary was also strangely accident-prone, according to, according to Betty. Um, she once, quote-unquote, fell from a window, and on another occasion, quote-unquote, accidentally overdosed on sleeping pills. Mm. You know, kids. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm laughing say, because this is so, like, unbelievable. part of the story, and somehow had too many right, sleeping right. pills. Right, right. Sure. Right. 
If I laugh, it's because this is like insane, not because I think it's actually funny, but just because like, <laughs> anyway. Yes, yes. Um, so some people um, attribute the accidents to like Betty's determination to basically get rid of her daughter, uh, but others in kind of modern analysis of this whole, you know, crime cycle, see it as maybe um, Betty uh, had Munchausen syndrome. Uh, by proxy, the same that oh my god, what is the name of this like super duper famous case where like Hulu did a show about it called The Act? Um, oh my god, oh my god, I'm blanking. Uh, but anyway, um, I'm gonna look that up later. Anyway, where at where Betty longed for the attention and sympathy that her daughter's accidents brought her, and so she would make her have accidents. That's basically what Munchausen syndrome by proxy is. Um, Isn't that but, what the show anyway. was about? That same one. <laughs> Yeah, but what's the what? What are the names of the the daughter and the mom? Uh, I don't know. I don't. I don't. D. Oh, Didi. Didi oh, Blanchard. Yeah, okay. Yes. Um, I thought you were anyway, trying to think so... of the name of the syndrome, and I'm like, you just said it. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. I, I know that. But anyway, so that's the same because some some people in the audience might know that case a lot better than the Mary Bell case. So Munchausen syndrome for everyone, that's the same thing that was happening with the Blanchard case with Didi, where like. You know, Dee Dee was the mom, and she was like making her daughter like have these diseases that she didn't actually have, or like convincing her she had cancer and shit because she liked the attention that her daughter's diseases brought her. So it's pretty sick. Anyway, some people theorize maybe that's what Mary's mom was doing to Mary. Um, according to later accounts given by Mary herself, her mother began to prostitute her out when she was just four years old. Um, this remains uh, uncorroborated by family members. However, um, they did know that Mary's young life, um, had already been marked by loss. And I'm lifting this directly from the article, um, because Mary had seen her five-year-old friend run over and killed by a bus when she was five. Oh, so of <laughs> it's like when it rains, it pours. Yep. Um, given all that had happened at this point at the age of six. <laughs> <laughs> not yet oh. no that's when she turns eight oh, okay. anyway so um given all that had happened uh it did not surprise mary's family that mary by the age of 10 had become a strange child mary was very much withdrawn and manipulative and always hovering on the edge of violence so thoughts so far on just everything <laughs> um thoughts so far um, I already like foreshadowed so clearly an expert in podcasts and uh, true crime stories. Um, Mary. Detectives are shaking in their boots. <laughs> um, you know, I, I feel sorry for Mary. I wish that there were better social services in Scotland at the time that were identifying. But, but, the, but the little kernel of hope in this, even though this is a sad story, is that the People like Mary are the reason why there are services now and there are things like mandated reporting when you think that a child is in a bad situation. So, wow. yeah. Silver lining, I suppose. Silver yeah. lining, um, but at the same time, like, none of what you just said surprised me. <laughs> yeah. Trauma, when, yeah. like, when someone, a child especially, is exposed to trauma and their brain is so develop, developing so quickly, then that, like, really fucks with like the chemical balance of their brain and the actual brain structures and so they aren't able to emotionally regulate um in the same way they have to like avenge but you know silver lining again little hope for you um is yep. that yep. it is possible to through neuroplasticity to like 
train your brain essentially to figure it the fuck out. <laughs> like, and mm-hmm. like, um, also if there's like different hormone imbalances, oh my gosh, medicine has come such a long way. <sighs> legal, like drugs, shout out, mm-hmm. sponsored by legal drugs. Okay. <laughs> sponsored by legal drugs. By the way, um, important side note, one of the things I stand about Annalise is her undergraduate background on psychology. So, you know, yeah. stand to that. Um, <laughs> no, I just know that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just know that. <laughs> um, it's like I look anyway. I just out in my backyard and I look up the sky and the aliens told me. <laughs> and the aliens told yeah. me <laughs> because they're woke. That's now, what college um, is, guys. That's what I paid sixty thousand. Ellie went out to her backyard and spoke to the woke aliens, and the woke aliens said BLM and also listen, psych facts. <laughs> um, no, perfect. So. Okay, so for weeks before her, mur- her first murder, uh, Mary had been acting strangely. Uh, apparently, according to this article, on May 11, 1968, she had been playing with a three-year-old boy when the boy was badly injured in a fall from the top of an, of an air raid shelter. Uh, and his parents thought it was an accident at the time. However, the following day, there were three mothers that came forward to tell police that Mary had attempted to choke their young daughters. Um... Which resulted in a brief police interview and a lecture, but no charges were filed. So, which is kind of odd. I mean, I guess you can't really, like, unless there's like, like charges pressed by the mothers. I don't know that you, as a policeman, would be like, okay, I'm taking you in, ten year old that attempted to choke a girl. But like, it is kind of alarming, right? That I mean, I don't know. Should have they done more? Like I said, resources should have been provided. <laughs> that is still definitely a big major red flag. Like as I'm sure, like you know this, like when um, like serial killers, their history, like they usually have like some kind of childhood history of hurting animals right. in some way. For example, like that's a big red flag now, where we're like, oh fuck, <laughs> we need to provide some resources for this kid. And, um, you know, more social. I guess support. emphasis on now. I wonder if like even in 1968. I know it yeah. doesn't sound too far away, but I mean, you know. No, I, I would mean... not have known. Mm-mm. Plus, right. also, so... I don't know if I would have believed the little boys. Or wait, were they little girls or little boys? There were three. There were mothers that were talking on behalf of their daughters. The daughters saying, "Well, yeah, but we like I think, like as a former child, like I have, <laughs> I have like Annalise, twenty three, former child. Yes, um, my I used to make shit up that my sister did all the time. I was like, sissy hit me, and like she didn't. <laughs> so like I don't know, especially if I didn't know the science behind it, I would have been like, oh, just girls being girls, like." <laughs> Just go play with I your mean, dolls true, now. Like, I, I don't but know. you're also a psychopath. So, true, you know, I didn't do that because I'm an angel and a child of God, but whatever. Um, anyways. No, I can carry on. <laughs> if, we're like, if, this, if the podcast listeners were like the person, then we're like the angel and the devil sitting on their shoulders. <laughs> and, but we, we switch um, roles every now and then, depending on what we're talking about. Okay, so what happens after? Well, yeah, it's still though. I just, I like, I, I, like, I find it weird. The policeman was like, "Okay, so I was told that you tried to choke three girls yesterday. Let me give you a little pep talk here. That's bad. Choking bad." Maybe he did. <laughs> Maybe he was like, "I fixed her. She's gonna, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> she's gonna be great for the rest of her life." So what happens now? Um, 
we are now jumping to Scotswood in England, um, which, as far if I, unless I'm misunderstanding this, is a, a is a city in northern England that was close enough to Newcastle, which is where Mary lived, that she like went over to Scotswood to commit more crimes. So, Mary. Um, and her friend Norma Bell, no relation, by the way, just same last name, um, beat up two local boys uh, that have been playing in this, like, derelict house in the area in Scottswood um, a couple of days after the incidents with the choked girls. So they're, like, she's just on a crime spree now. Um, uh, they, police were mystified at this uh, because besides a little blood and saliva on the victim's face there uh, were no obvious signs of violence uh, when they found these boys there was however an empty bottle of painkillers on the floor near the body um and these boys were um were uh, unconscious and because i didn't make that clear when, when the police found them uh so in the absence of better information they assumed that one of the boys his name was martin brown had swallowed the pills um he, the boy died soon after being like he was still alive when they found him um but he died shortly after his death was ruled an accident precisely because police thought oh he just ate all these advil just you know kit kit things and so he died um uh, i mean i'm sure accidental overdoses do happen with kids but like fine whatever um that's that's exactly why they put on the medicine bottles like keep out of reach of kids and they're like child right safety. also they did find a little blood on the victim's face so i mean maybe they i guess you could think maybe the if pill you're thinking beat him up before and cut him on maybe the, face the pill beat him up yeah. no i was gonna say like i guess if you're going down the route of like accidental accidental overdose you could think that maybe like you know taking so many of these pills like had him like reflux blood but i don't think that happens very often or at all unless you're like punched to the stomach i don't think people just spit blood um well unless you're henry my friend in finland who had COVID 19 anyway um oh no you so... just exposed him <laughs> <laughs> you were like i'm not gonna mention their name i said his name earlier and you didn't laugh i think i, I just think i did it too fast <laughs> I was like, I'm not going to say his name, but his name is Henry. I thought you were going to cackle. Anyway, so <laughs> Martin's grieving family <laughs> might have started to suspect otherwise, might have, when little Mary Bell showed up on their doorstep in the days after Martin's death and asked to see him. His mother gently explained to her that Martin was dead, but Mary said she already knew that she wanted to see his body in the coffin. <laughs> <laughs> Martin's she mother slammed what? the door in her face. <laughs> Oh my god. Okay. Dude, Mary's balls. Mary deadass went up to Martin's like gr like grieving mom and said, "Oh, I want to see the body." And she was like, "Oh, you must not know. He died." She was like, "Bitch, I know. I want to see the body." Okay. <laughs> um Anyway, shortly after, Mary and her friend Norma broke into a nursery school and vandalized it with notes taking responsibility for Martin Brown's death and promising to kill again. This is very Jack the Ripper. Very, like, I need the attention from my murder. Why did she bring murder. in her friend, though? Like, because, was she well, also I mean, accomplice in this murder? Kind of. I don't think she did much besides watch or, like, I don't know, hinder the tools Mary used to kill. She's going to be later talked about in, like, the court case. It's like, oh, she just got in with the wrong crowd. So she's fine. She's free to go. So, um, yeah, but I don't know how true that is. Uh, anyway. So they promised to kill again in this note. Police assumed the notes were a morbid prank when they found them. So they took. Oh my gosh! Action. What did I say earlier? Girls will be girls. 
<laughs> just girl things, just killing girl things. Um, anyway, uh, police assumed that notes were a morbid prank. For the nursery school, this was just the latest and most disturbing in a series of break-ins. They warily installed an alarm system, which, great idea, because it turns out um, this very smart choice resulted in uh, Mary and Norma being caught at the scene of the crime several nights later. But as they were simply loitering outside when the police arrived, guess what? They were let off the hook. Um, in the meantime, Mary was telling her fellow classmates, like, police need to put these together faster. Mary was telling her fellow classmates that she had killed Martin Brown. So, like, this bitch not having, like, it wasn't enough for her to leave the note because they didn't take it seriously. So she was like, shit, I'm not getting enough recognition or I'm not getting any recognition. I need to just straight up go to people now and tell them I killed him. <laughs> um, this is like a weird episode of a Twilight Zone where, like, like the killer is like, no, I did it. And everyone's like, oh, you silly. You're too good to do that. You would have never done that. You're just kidding around. And they're like, no, I killed him. Here's a knife. And they're like, oh, that's a prop. Um, anyway. So if so you're egotistical like her and you want recognition for your work, enter serial I know. <laughs> she told her classmates that she had killed Martin Brown. Her reputation as a show-off and a liar prevented anyone from taking her claim seriously. This is like the girl who cried wolf. The boy who cried wolf. That is until another young boy turned up dead. Oh. Um, and this is, yeah, this is when she kills for the second She's time. Like, I mean, quote-unquote. <laughs> yeah, I know. Quote unquote the second time because I would consider the the wait oh my god no sorry I'm totally confused Martin Brown was the first murder I'm getting ahead of myself I was thinking of something else okay so this is Mary's second murder listen so on July 31st two months after the first murder Mary Bell and her friend Norma killed three year old Brian Howe by strangulation this time so she was like pills bitch the fuck well by the way we don't even, we're not even sure I I didn't look into an autopsy but I don't I'm not, we're not even sure that the other boy was killed by the pills. I wonder if Mary just left those there on purpose to make it seem like that. Um, I Maybe he was. I feel like the autopsy would have figured that out if he wasn't, and it would have been mentioned in the article. So let's say that she did make him swallow pills by force, and that's how she killed him. Anyway, now she's graduated to strangulation. So this time, not only did she do that, but she also mutilated the body with scissors, scratching his thighs and butchering his genitals. So clearly, to me, when I read this, I was like, this is some, like... Like, she wants to get back to the men that have abused her because she's been prostituted by her mom since she was four years old. So to me, that was, that's, uh, to me, that's why she targeted the journals. Like, I thought that was, I saw a connection there. Maybe she um, read, like, a bunch of feminist novels and she was like, <laughs> fuck the patriarchy and just decided that she would just get rid of the men at a young age. <laughs> you think early. Mary Bell read the scum <laughs> manifesto at age 10? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> she said women's rights. <laughs> Uh, okay, um, so they tried to hide the body with concrete blocks, um, didn't work <laughs> because the body was found, uh, the neighborhood was panicked, um, uh, the boys were dead, and two boys were dead in two months, so at this point the neighborhood was like shook. Uh, police interviewed local children, and they were hoping that one of them would have seen something that would like lead to a suspect, but they didn't, um, 
say anything. Like, no kid had said anything. So they didn't get any info from that. However, they received a shock when the coroner's report came back. Um, apparently, once Brian's blood had cooled, new marks appeared on his chest. Uh, someone had used a razor blade to scratch the letter M onto his torso. This is very Jack the Ripper, again. Um, and there was another disturbing note. The lack of force used in the attack suggested Brian's killer might have been a child. So now the neighborhood's like, oh shit, there's a child killer on the loose. Not just a regular killer, but a child killer. They're even more dangerous. You know why? Because they're small and they can sneak into small spaces. I'd be scared out of my mind. Um, they should be. Haven't you read Ender's Game? Or seen there's, that's a point. There you go. Mm -hmm. Annalise said points. Mm -hmm. There you go. Um, Mary and Norma did a poor job of disguising their interest in the investigation in their interviews with police because they both acted very strangely. <laughs> Norma was excited and Mary was evasive, especially when police pointed out that she had been with Brian Howe on the day of his death. Um, <laughs> this is just like, <coughs> this is just like <laughs> the weirdest like novel of like, <laughs> anyway, because, because like, this girl is like so eager to kill, but so horrible at covering her tracks. No, she doesn't because want to cover she is her 10 tracks. Years old. That's why she went from pills to strangulation. So it's like, look, I did it. Look at how tiny my finger marks are. <laughs> anyway, so um, they called uh, Mary back for a second interview. And uh, perhaps sensing that investigators were closing in, made up uh, Mary made up a story about having seen an eight-year-old boy hit Brian on the day he died. Um, the boy, she said, had been carrying a pair of broken scissors. Now, that was her fatal mistake. Why? Because um, the mutilation of the body with scissors had been kept from the press and the public, so there was no way <laughs> that she would have known that. Only investigators and Brian's murderer knew that. That's such so... a gotcha moment. Like... <laughs> Wow. The OG gotcha. Yeah. How would you have known that? I mean, I mean, listen, I guess, I guess it could make sense because like, it, you know, if this, you know, imaginary boy did kill Brian Howe and he did mutilate him, well, obviously he had scissors with him, Well, I right? guess it would depend he... on like how it happened. Like, was she just like, oh yeah, I saw a boy and he has scissors or if they were like, okay, now just... She's like, I saw a boy, and they're like, describe him. And then she was like, well, he was wearing this and that, and he had brown hair, and his name was Andre. He probably loved mutilating bodies. And, and then he also had scissors in his hand. You know, like, that's a little, like, more intentional, yeah. I guess. But if she just, like, offered it, then that's sus as fuck. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so... Both Norma and Mary broke down under further questioning, of course. Norma began cooperating with police and implicated Mary, who herself admitted to being present during Brian Howe's murder, but tried to place the blame on Norma. <laughs> girl things. Um, Best friends. So, <laughs> both girls were charged and a trial date was set. And that's on just girly things. So at trial, the prosecutor told the court that Bell's reason for committing the murders was, quote unquote, solely for the pleasure of excitement of killing. Oh. Um, <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, the British press referred to her as quote-unquote evil-born. Um, the jury agreed that Mary Bell had committed the murders and handed down a guilty verdict in December. Uh, manslaughter, oh, because she was um, she was charged in April, if I 
remember correctly. So, um, manslaughter, not murder, was the conviction, which is very interesting because, like, clearly this society isn't very progressive at this time, but I guess progressive enough to recognize that Mary Bell wasn't literally like Satan's spawn and rather she was very much abused. And I think the psychiatry saw that for one reason or another, she did have the classic, quote unquote, classic symptoms of psychopathy and could not be helpfully responsible for her actions. And so they were like, okay, we're gonna, gonna do manslaughter instead of murder, even though you clearly <laughs> intended to murder these kids. Which actually I think is fair. I think it's fair because otherwise you're looking at what, like life in prison? And yeah, she did kill, that's horrible. But again, a child, and you got to look at the background, and this is where we get really, really muddy. Because are we putting too much focus on this instead of the victims of the murder? I don't know. But also the victims of the murder are already dead. And yeah, that's morbid, but you know what I mean? Like, they are dead. We can't care about them in the same way now because they are dead. So, I don't know. Yeah. I don't yeah. Know. I mean, Thoughts? and like, sort of related. Sort of related. And I'm just going to like you know full circle moment back to black lives matter moment okay so this girl was 10 in glasgow and so i'm assuming that she was white i could totally be wrong but i'm reading this book right now called just mercy that um is um written by the man that started the equal justice initiative and you should look into it they basically um help people of color in the south that um were put on death row and um people of color are more likely to be put on death row than, well, specifically black people are more likely to be put on death row mm -hmm. than white people. Um, but there's also this super good chapter, and I really recommend it, about um, child incarceration and whether or not, like, the child who commits a crime, it's considered, like, if they're 17 years old, is it considered, like, a child committing that crime or an adult committing that crime? And the amount mm -hmm. of like punishment that can be granted depending on that classification just like is drastic. So they're like, oh, you accidentally burnt a house down because you like had a match and you know, you're this kid that's been through a fucking mm -hmm. lot and like you have these disabilities and you actually shouldn't be having to go through this trial <laughs> because you're not like ready for it, you know, you're not in that state. Um, guess what? You're going to be incarcerated for the rest of your life. Um, so happy 18th birthday. So I recommend reading it because there are these like, real life like heroes i think the back of the book says like brian stevenson is like a modern day nelson mandela like <laughs> he is just like out there fighting for the people that people forgot about right and that are like ostracizing as like these evil people when really it was like so she's incarcerated for life so you think that was a big deal but really she just like dropped a match and accidentally lit a house on fire i guess we could technically incarcerate pg e for the same game but <laughs> that's that's just some California truth. Um, I don't know, I don't know where your listeners are if they're outside of California, but look up California fires. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that, I mean, those are listen, my impressions. Like, Basically, like I I am I understand that the difference between manslaughter and murder is like that there, there there's intent, and she definitely like showed intent, and she showed that she had like you know um, previous ideas to commit murder with the notes all over the school, but like. At the same time, she was 10. We covered her trauma background. I'm glad that it wasn't as severe as a punishment because as we also know, prisons aren't a place where people can grow emotionally. <laughs> you know, I- I know, but then you get into the argument of should, there, should they yeah, be that at all or should they just be a hellhole that people who commit crimes deserve to go to because revenge? Well, since we're going there, Andre, I'm of the opinion that we should reallocate some public funding <laughs> to go into more social services. Okay, anyways. 
Welcome to Polity Talk episode one. Um, no, no, we I mean, listen, no, I totally agree. I totally agree, and I don't want to get into, like, the whole thing, but, like, because I, I know there's a lot of people that disagree with this, and I also know that there's a lot of probably criminals that don't fully, really deserve this, but I know that in Scandinavian countries, for example, shout out to Finland again, um, like, prisons are very much about reform and not just punishment, um, like, rehabilitation, and... I like that, but the, the the small part of me is like, I think that's great, except for like, I don't know, serial rapists? Because like, yeah, you probably had a shitty background that led you to this point, which then led you to this point, which then led you to this crossroads, and then you became a serial rapist. But like, how much do you... Like, th that's the that's the philosophical dilemma, you know? Like, at what point do you stop empathizing with that person's struggle and hold them fully responsible for their actions in, regardless of th that struggle like i you know what i mean like i feel like mm -hmm. there's a point a crossroads mm -hmm. and i don't know where that like i know i don't know where that is i don't know yeah well i think that the reason why there's such a crossroads for that is that the whole question of like like you know how there's like legal cases that are like so and so versus the state of california or so and so versus the people uh -huh. like the whole point of it is like this is a crime against our society right and mm. so like what is going to make the most sense for our society if we mm -hmm. if this person's going to get out in a couple years like do we want to make sure that we like really invest in them and like try to rehabilitate them so that they won't commit a crime again mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. are we going to support a for-profit prison system where the more people that we get in a bed the more money that business makes as a country <laughs> and you know right. capitalism and so are we going to over incarcerate people that you know we're engaging I mean, in but, a drug I, but, that is now legal, and are we going to keep those people in prison moving forward because of marijuana? But use? that's why I mentioned <laughs> like rehabilitation for those cases, because a lot of these things are are very much not deserving of very large prison sentences. But that's specifically also why I mentioned something as heinous as heinous as as heinous as as a serial rapist, because like to me, like I I think I think what you say. Uh, gets lost when it's a case like that because it's like yes if you send the serial rapist to like prison you know like the for, the for profit system only increases its profits but also like <laughs> do you really want this person rehabilitated and 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 back into society one because do you think rehab will actually be successful and two because do, do the people like putting him in this system to like rehabilitate if that's what's going to happen think that he actually deserves that like th there's the punishment factor that you know as as silly as it sounds it's a very human thing like we want to see punishment and i don't think that's an invalid like factor especially with something as heinous as that um well okay you know? yeah i understand what you're saying but i'm also like rehabilitative programs don't like immediately reintegrate them into society like that person that criminal would still have been given the punishment of taking away their freedom right like they're still mm -hmm. in an institution that they still have to go through hoops for right mm -hmm. and like even though it's like forced therapy like it's up to the experts like we're not experts on this topic right like well, like i have i have a psychology degree but i don't have like a phd in clinical psychology so, mm -hmm. but like, it's up to those people that know a lot more than we do about being able to, um, you know, make recommendations on a case by case basis. I think a good place for us to start is considering for the lesser crimes, whether or not we're more willing to invest like in prison for someone that had like marijuana possession versus 
you know, other resources or other alternatives. For marijuana in particular, I believe that the people that are currently incarcerated for that, they should be released because it's right. legal. Right. But that, so that was kind of a bad example. But do you know what I mean? Like if they were like, it was like yeah. an attempt yeah. at a burglary, but then they like backed out of it. Like, are we really going to incarcerate that 16 year old for X amount of time? Or are we going to be able to put them in jail for X amount of time instead of a prison, which is a lesser, like easier to go through, I've heard. I'm not a criminal. Yeah, I think I think in the end it comes down to us as a society. Whenever we we treat criminal cases, just I think if, I think if we evolve to think more compassionately, even with something that could be a very terrible thing, we would start seeing the deliverance of sentences very differently, and we would probably alter what 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 we think X crime deserves as far as time in prison. Um, yes. I think yeah. that we have yes. made, like, a whole lot of progress on it, even the past, like, 50, 60 years, as far as, like, mm -hmm. how we're deciding mm -hmm. who we're, quote-unquote, sending away for life, um, which mm -hmm. actually, if your Mary Bell story is done, is related to my story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, we're so, like, far into the podcast, yes, so let me just yes, finish. Yes. Anyway, so, okay, so Norma was acquitted, uh, no, sorry, not Norma, uh, fucking Mary's, Mary's friend, yeah, no, it was yeah, Norma, Norma, sorry, yeah. Norma was acquitted, and Mary was into prison uh, for 12 years. She got out in 1980. She was released on license, which meant that she was, like, still technically serving her sentence, but she was able to do so while living in, like, community under probation. Um, and then she was given a new identity to provide her with a new chance at life, which is, you know, nice, uh, and protect her from tablet attention. However, in 1984, um, when she, she had a daughter in uh, 1984, Mary Bell did. Uh, so four years after being released from prison um, and like her anonymity was great and all until Belle's daughter turned 14, which is when a tabloid paper was able to find Belle's common law husband and then track Belle down, which resulted in a slew of journalists rounding her house and camping out in front of it, um, which then resulted in Mary and her common law husband and Mary's daughter having to escape from their home with bed sheets over their heads, Michael Jackson style. So, um, <laughs> yeah, now um, this is super interesting. So um, some people feel she doesn't deserve the protection. Uh, June Richardson, the, the mother of Meriden Brown. Wait, she's still um, alive? Yeah, the, the mother's still alive. The mother of Martin Brown, the little kid. Um, no, that, Mary that Bell. Was murdered, told the media. <laughs> Oh, she's Mary Bell's still alive. Yeah. Okay. But anyway, yeah. one of the boy's mothers yeah. uh, told uh, media that uh, she thought it was all about her and how she had to be protected. She said, as victims, we're not giving the same rights as killers. So that's how she feels about that, which understandably so. Um, but nevertheless, uh, Mary Bell remains protected by the British government today. And court rulings protecting the identities of certain convicts are even unofficially referred to as quote unquote Mary Bell orders. So she changed the digital system in that way. <laughs> <laughs> she impacted it at least All you know right. it's, she, she got her name on it right. yeah so so if you commit a crime and you're granted like permanent an, an, anonymity um and also if that is extended to like one of your family members like your daughter which she actually achieved in doing so um that's called a maribel order mm -hmm. mm. and that's my case yeah yeah mm. okay <laughs> anyway go ahead what you got interesting well thank you for sharing fascinating fascinating story okay so I have, you know, on brand with me as a person and apparently now this podcast, I am, I am labeling this as the feminism podcast um, of spooky talk or scary talk because thank you, thank you for remembering the name of my podcast. You're so welcome. Again, I'm very underqualified for this position. 
I actually, I don't listen to podcasts. I was laughing with my friends about this earlier. I was like, I'm about to. Did you like listen to an episode before this one? I know, to, like, no, get the I, hang I of did it? listen to yours, but I'm not like, like, you know, those people are like religiously, like my roommate every single morning listens to a true crime podcast. Like, you know, I'm not one of those people. Which by the way, not me. I don't listen to podcasts. Fun fact, everyone. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I just make one. All right. Well, so we're really qualified. Um, but this is also about a woman. Um, but I didn't follow my homework instructions entirely because this is not particularly about a murderer. Um, I do have murderers like on the lineup if we if we're not gonna have time. But like, just know that I did have other murderers <laughs> available. But you know what? It's re- I wanted to pick this one because it's related to what we were talking about as well. So this is the story of Edith Lanchester. Homie was an English socialist, feminist, suffragette. And so she was just like living her best life in 1895 in Lanchester, right? And she Mm -hmm. is also a member of the Social Democratic Federation and eventually went on to become a secretary for the daughter of Karl Marx. Fun tidbits Mm -hmm. for you. So um also side note edith lanchester was also an atheist a vegetarian and a pacifist (laughs) really above her time out there in 1895 (laughs) cute okay so she studied higher maths at london polytechnic and after a year of teaching became secretary to eleanor marx daughter of karl marx um she was also known for being a great speaker at meetings and rallies and then here's where shit goes down (coughs) she fell in love period that's the whole big mistake that's the whole first crime. mistake <laughs> that's the whole true crime story she fell in love no so she fell in love with james seamus sullivan who was a factory worker and in 1895 when she was 24 they decided that they would live together however like she did not believe in the whole like marriage vows where it involved like stating the woman should honor and obey her husband and so she was like, I'm a feminist bitch. And so she's like, I'm not going to marry this guy. I'm just going to live with him. Um, mm-hmm. But on the night before they were supposed to move in together, her father gathered all of the children, including um, three of her brothers and a mental health specialist named Dr. George Blandford to inca- interrogate Edith on her intentions and views on marriage. And Edith was formally pronounced insane with a certificate and an urgency order was already (laughs) filled out by her father and the doctor giving the supposed cause of insanity as quote over education (laughs) i love that she's too smart she's too smart she's insane and so then she gets to be tied up by men and dragged into a horse-drawn carriage which took her to what is now the priory clinic which was an insane asylum and let me just give you a little background on the 1800s insane asylums. <laughs> In case you didn't know, guys, um, they were, uh, you know, originally intended to be like this humane alternative to people that were insane instead of incarcerating them. That being said, scientists at the time were dumb as fuck because they decided that people with, um, you know, the crime of being like, you know, a strong, independent woman deserved to have electroshock therapy, lobotomies, um, become like, you know, fucking addicts on this um, drug called Thorazine. Mm -hmm. Look it all up, all of that psychology background. It's insane. They're like, you decided that you get to be independent in your life and you're going to make your own decisions. So we're going to cut chunks of your brain out 
and electrocute you. And so she got, so, and this was legal. They had this urgency order and like this like doctor, quote unquote doctor decided that she was insane because she was overeducated. And so she's spending this time in this insane asylum and the case was widely spread across the world, including the New York Times and members of the uh, Social Democratic Federation attempted to release her and they were singing like the red flag song outside of Edith's window. But then like other people were like, I have different opinions. And um, this like high aristocratic woman wrote to a newspaper offering a hundred pounds, which would be around like 12,000 pounds today as a wedding present to Edith if she would go through with the wedding ceremony and be released from the insane asylum. But Edith refused. <laughs> and <laughs> she was like, no, bitch, I'm not getting tied down to any man. And, then, and so then... Um, they basically, like, with the way that the laws were working in England at the time, they were going to need to have another certificate for her to be continued to be detained for longer. Um, and <laughs> after, like, some pressure with, like, all of these, pe- like, all of these political people that she was um, partnered with, she was released, um, having found by some of the commissioners of lunacy to be, quote, sane but foolish. <laughs> and then she was released and um then she decided that she was not going to have a relationship with her father ever again and never saw him (laughs) and then um random fun tidbits is that uh she uh lived her best life unmarried and had children with this homie and um it was so that like 1895 seems like a really long time ago but then the edith's daughter elsa ended up being um, a famous Hollywood actress. So Elsa Lanchester ended up taking the leading role in The Bride of Frankenstein. I don't know if you've Mm. seen that movie, but... I have not, but but that's really interesting. I like it. And if other listeners have seen it, then you might know who I'm talking about. And she has like this gorgeous wig on. Anyways, I just had to share this story because I have a lot of feelings about how women were um, sent to insane asylums for being women. Okay, but I, as I mentioned earlier, I do have actual murder cases, but guess what? It's again another badass woman serial killer. So feminism. Um, I guess we can call it that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This woman's name, uh, also in England, shout out England, um, was Amelia Elizabeth Dyer. And, um, you know, there was this thing going on at the time called baby farming. And so for wealthy women, it was completely acceptable to send their infants to a wet nurse who would breastfeed and care for their infants until they reached toddlerhood because, like, couldn't be bothered. Like, they were like, I don't want to deal with no milk coming out of my boobs. Like, someone else fucking do it. Money buys everything. Yeah, they said babies. Ew, no thanks. Deleted fat. Yeah. Um, Meanwhile, uh, poor or working class women that found themselves pregnant had very little opportunity to, like, have that kind of financial stability um and like in this time having a baby out of wedlock was akin to or worse than murder i I guess i should cite my sources here this is from historycollection.co and um the previous story was from lanchester interactive archive um and sorry to all of my teachers and professors that i've ever had because neither of these are legitimate sources but we press on (laughs) So, um, again, Amelia Dyer, 
Um, baby farmers um, provided an out for like poor women. So the women in trouble would like place an advertisement in a newspaper seeking like, please like any loving couples out there, adopt my baby, she's so cute. And um, these people called baby farmers would often answer such ads promising to provide the child with a happy and healthy home. And you know, sometimes it would be like temporary and then others would consider it a permanent arrangement. But um, societal norms and government avoidance of this practice created a world where mm-hmm. Amelia Elizabeth Dyer would flourish as a baby farmer and murderer. Dun, dun, dun. Mm. What do you think about the okay. practice of baby farming really quick? Uh, <laughs> um, that's super <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> it's very elitist. Um, it, I think it's just kind of sad because like how attached is a child going to be to their parent when they were like sent away so young and how much they actually get to interact with the parent like i don't think that's a good idea yep yeah i'm also like my one of my first thoughts was like oh my gosh thank goodness birth control is more accessible like because these poor these poor women that were like having these babies like maybe they were like i can't financially afford one but they like couldn't they didn't have a lot of consistent options to prevent that um, mm-hmm. But anyways, Amelia Dyer was like trying to take advantage of this. And so she scanned um, advertisements in search of desperate women looking to give up their babies. And so she would contact the birth mothers and offer um, to take the baby for a fee of generally 10 pounds or five pounds. <laughs> um, okay. And um, sometimes these women would like write Dyer and ask for like more information about their babies. But like um, once Dyer took possession of the child, it was quote, hers until she murdered it (laughs) (laughs) um and so this was like relatively easy for her to operate a baby farming business with little suspicion because it was like overcrowded cities and all that and poverty was prevalent and so many people were like doing this um and already infant mortality rates were very high and so when a baby died their cause of death would be like you know debility from birth or lack of breast milk and so people didn't really like investigate baby deaths because it was happening constantly um Mm. and um so when amelia dyer obtained a new baby she immediately began the process of killing it by starvation and to hide okay to hide the crying she would use this like serum known as quote mother's friend which was a mixture of syrup and opium i knew it i knew it it. also like cocaine back in the day was like you was just like medicine medicine. yes absolutely and so she was giving these literal like fresh born little babies like fresh out the womb two weeks old this like elixir and they remained sedated and you know as they starved to death which took time they did so without making much of a fuss and once this child was dead, Dyer would contact a doctor to examine the child, to declare it dead, and take the body away. Um, and so, and then if, if any of these doctors that had to like confirm the deaths became suspicious of the number of children that died in Amelia's care, she just simply moved to a new town, or she pretended to, okay. or she pretended to have a mental breakdown and entered into an asylum. <laughs> um, well, okay. And so then. And finally, in 1879, a doctor that Amelia had called on to certify the death of a child grew suspicious. (laughs) And after an investigation, she served some time and um, they were able to start looking more into that. But then her uh, sentence um, ended and she was released and she resumed her career as a nurse and baby farmer with one major change. She no longer would notify a doctor to certify the death and remove the corpse. 
So from 1880 on, Amelia Dyer would dispose of the bodies of the babies that she killed, making her a prolific serial killer. <laughs> so, now she, okay. so now she has a new murder strategy, okay? Um, which, you know, <laughs> is showing extra intent. She already serves time for her suspicious, like, neglect of these babies. But now she's like, I'm going to keep doing it and just not involve doctors. <laughs> um, cool. <laughs> You know, thrifty. Um, so, mom tings. <laughs> within a few hours of acquiring a new infant, she would wrap white dressmaking tape around its neck. Um, okay. And even with that, the death was not instantaneous. According to her own uh -huh. later confession, Dyer stated that she liked, quote, to watch them with the tape around their neck as they gasped for air. What the fuck, dude? Yeah. dude. Um, and then when they were dead, she would wrap them in cloth and bury them or tie them to rocks and throw them in the Thames River in England. Um, and birth mothers would like send Dyer letters asking for word on the well-being of their children. But by the time Dyer even got these letters, the children were long dead. And so that she started doing this 1880, right? And then the article continues and is like, on March 30th, 1896, <laughs> so 16 years later, um, someone notices a package floating in the river and he retrieves it and found, finds the dead bodies of a baby girl and boy. And so forensics, which was in its infancy at the time, is like a science and like how to track people, somehow managed to link the material used to wrap the babies to Amelia Dyer. And um, the police placed a decoy advertisement seeking a loving couple to take a newborn. And as Dyer left her home to meet her new client on April 3rd, 1896, she was greeted by four police officers. When they entered her apartment, they encountered the overwhelming stench of rotting flesh. And while they did not find any dead babies, they did find enough evidence in the form of letters, advertisements, telegrams, and opium to charge Amelia Elizabeth Dyer with murder. Um, Amelia Dyer was placed on trial for the murder of only three babies, and on May 22nd, 1896, a jury found Dyer guilty within four and a half minutes. <laughs> yeah, I definitely would not call her a badass serial killer. She's just <laughs> terrible. This is shit. Okay, well, homegirl was able to go, um, you know, unnoticed for 16 years. Um, and they only could track her to three babies. Um, so, but during the next three weeks, um, after she was found guilty, she filled five notebooks with her quote, last and true confession. Um, and then she was hung at exactly 9 a.m. on June 10th, 1896. And while 14 murders have been directly linked to Dyer, experts believe that she murdered over 300 babies during her time as a baby farmer. Wow. wow. Can we read that confession? Is that available online? You can certainly do some Googling that Annalise did not no, I'm do. Just like, in, in my own time. I don't think I'll actually want to, but I'm very curious if that's, like, able to be found. Cause that's it was, like, very trendy at the time in the late 1800s to, like, write, like, like wait until the very last second, like, about to be hanged, and then, like, have, like, really dramatic statements about the murders or crimes that you committed. Um, but like kind of like kind of like with Mary Bell where like there's new laws um, in the aftermath of this execution Adoption laws became stricter. Thank fucking God. And so <laughs> you couldn't just sell your baby <laughs> 
to someone um and uh now not sure why you ever could but yep yeah and now um now we don't have baby farming but you know what we do have human trafficking so yep. i think that's yep. a good um you know story to end this podcast on <laughs> It's also a very high note. Thank yes, you. Yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, okay, I like, I gave you a cute little, like, not, um, True. you know, not murder in the middle there where, like, she made about, okay. <laughs> true, true, true. It's a very empowering story. Yes. Yes. So thank yes, you. Yes, you're so welcome. Um, what, are, uh, what are your thoughts on Amelia Dyer? <laughs> My thoughts are actually, I guess I do retract what I said. She is a badass in the sense that she did not get caught for that long. Because holy shit, I guess she was good at serial killing. But like, but also, I guess, you know, like sometimes serial killers get caught because some of their victims escape. I think it's really hard for a baby to do that. So I think it probably helped <laughs> her not get caught ever. Um, it's, I mean, what do I think? I mean, what can I think? This is terrible and shitty. But I mean, in, in, the, in the criminal aspect of it, I mean pretty brilliant pretty twistedly <laughs> brilliant and she did last a long time and it's just it's just fucked and sad but wow interesting yeah yeah it's um it's just, it was really interesting for me to like go into like what was happening in britain during this time that i selected um i wanted to pick like 1800s because i was like that's far enough ago so that it's not like too fresh obviously these are still like <laughs> tragic occurrences but like yeah. yeah we don't have insane asylum anymore we don't have formal baby farmers as far as i'm aware of um we now have adoption yeah, no. laws we have um you know people that don't try to you know put someone in an institution just for you know having a vagina and opinions so i i <laughs> i guess the, yep. the takeaway from this is that these terrible crimes are happening, but we learn from it and grow as a society and as a human race. So that's wow. another silver lining. And you know what? Actually, this was too close to home and too recent and too touchy. So next time I want you to do um, Elizabethan crimes only. <laughs> Perfect. You know what? I'm going to go all the way back. Homo sapien days early. Like we just discovered fire. Um, I want the crime of like the first multicellular organism murdering the other, like the second <laughs> multicellular organism. Um, thank you so much for that. That was a very interesting case. Everyone, thank you for listening to this episode of Scary Talk. If you liked it, make sure to like and subscribe. Yeah. <laughs> no, make sure to um, let us know by uh, DMing us on Twitter or Instagram at TalkScary. Remember that you can also listen to this episode on any of on any podcast listening platform you're everywhere so whichever is your favorite we are there uh stitcher spotify apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, etc you can find us as uh talk scary talk scary as scary talk <laughs> and you can also find our facebook page as scary talk Yay. confusing um remember um to send in um topic ideas if you have any uh on twitter or on insta and uh yeah thank you for listening uh annalise anything to say thanks for having me on even though i'm very unqualified and i love you andre <laughs> hi listeners <laughs> thanks for listening until the very end <laughs> yeah it, um, um if you want um feminist talk back <laughs> for yes. another episode please do let us know and uh, remember uh the mothman is real and he is watching you he's in your bathroom aliens are real and you just gotta look up to the sky to see them and we will talk to you next week who's we who knows good night <laughs>